Dr. Jack Meadows. Dr. Jack's actually been here at Brush Prairie before, I think about six, seven years ago. And uh, delightful to have him back, and thank you so much, well, Brother, for coming. Thanks for having us. You know, when we have the mics on and we hug like that, it makes yeah. all kinds of noise, so we're just not going to do the hugging thing anymore today, okay? I don't know why it is. Turn my mic off. No, there that's okay. Okay. I'll take it. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. It's great to be here. But we, we, know, we didn't know each other, but we went to the same school at the different times. But we all went to Dallas. There's something about a Dallas man. It's great. You all know Shalom? Okay, I would like for you all to say Shalom to me. And I would say Shalom Alechem. And that means peace, (laughs) y'all. How many think the name Jack Meadows sounds Jewish? No? How about Yankel Medvedovsky? You'll agree? Got a few. My wife is very thankful that the name was changed <laughs> when, the, when we came to the country. Okay, what I want to do today, just give a little bit of introduction before we start. I was raised in Portland in a conservative Jewish family. Every year when we would celebrate Passover... We would do it at one of my uncle's houses, which was large enough to have all the mishpucha to be there for dinner. And I want to take us through a Passover, the way that it was celebrated in my family as we were growing up, with some explanations. How many of you remember that the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, was a Passover dinner? Okay, because there are things that our Lord did during the, his Passover dinner, which we still do today. And I will try to bring some of that out as we go through. So before we start, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do thank you so much for your love for us. The way you revealed your deep love for us in the giving of your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, how... In the Passover redemption's history, we have the picture of our redemption and of our Savior. So we ask as we go through this Seder this morning that you will guide, you will show us, and we will see Jesus. And we thank you in his precious name. Amen. The day of the Passover... The afternoon, my, all of us men would go to church, shul, synagogue, for our afternoon and our evening service. While we were at the service, the women would be home preparing the dinner, preparing the table. Because our rabbis say that when we come home at sunset, the table needs to be ready to go. Because we are teaching our children our history. And as we are teaching them, and it's going to be a very long service with the meal, we want to be sure they stay awake. <laughs> so our rabbis are very practical people in a lot of ways. So when we come home, we would find the table is set. On the table, you will f- we would have Passover Haggadahs at every place. Seder is a worship service, a Passover service. The Passover Haggadah is the order of the service. It's the telling of the story. 
the book was print, well, the service was put into print along around 800. Uh, that's 1,200 years ago. I've been following this basic order of service. But if you know my people and you know tradition, you know that it goes back further. And when the temple was destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans, the Pharisees, the rabbis, moved to a small town named Yavne, and they developed what's called Judaism today. But they developed the idea of how do we live without a temple. And at that point, I believe that we have our order of service pretty well set up so that as the Jews were dispersed, they would be able to celebrate a Passover Seder. So now we're back about 2,000 years. Now, if you know the history, then we go back to Exodus chapter 12 when we have the first Passover, and we're back another 1,400 years. So we're 3,400 years or more back in time as we remember what God did for our people in <coughs> the first Passover. On the table also is a Seder plate. And the Seder plate has compartments on it, which would be in front of my uncle, and it would have these elements on the plate. As we would go through, he would be explaining to us what we do in our tradition as we remember our Passover deliverance. When the men would come home from shul, we would put on our yarmulkes, our little beanies. Because no Orthodox Jew will go into the presence of God, male, in a worship service with his head uncovered. So we would put on our yarmulke. And then my uncle, who would be leading the feast, would put on his prayer shawl, his talus. And at this point, now he's no longer just the father teaching us, leading us in the meal. He is our teacher because he's going to teach us our history of what God has done for us. And he's also now our priest because he's going to lead us in our worship service. Once we were seated, my aunt... Mm-hmm. Well, well, just, oh, there it is. There's two things here. My aunt would light the Passover candles. Baruch blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has commanded us to light the Passover candles. And then we would begin the service. We would open the Haggadah, and we would pour the first cup of wine. Now, I have four cups here. What we would usually do is just fill and refill, refresh the cups. But the first cup is called the cup of praise. And this means at this point, we are asking the Lord to bless this service. We praise him and thank him for bringing us to this time that we can celebrate what he has done for us in the Passover. And Baruch Elohinu Melech Olom Borei Pri HaGofen Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. And then we would take of the first cup. And then we would wash our hands. 
and because we are moving forward now into a service that's an act of purification. And we would all take some parsley, some greenery. We would dip it twice in some salt water. And we would eat it. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruits of the earth. And our rabbis tell us, and we dip it twice, that the reason we do this is that the greenery speaks of new birth and speaks of growth, like in spring. Because in Exodus chapter 12, it begins at verse 1, it says, This shall be the beginning of months for you. And God is saying that what is accomplished in this service is a new beginning and a new life. So the greenery reminds us of a new life and growth. And the salt water reminds us of the tears which our ancestors shed when we were in bondage in Egypt and the Red Sea, which God opened up as he brought us out. And then we come to the most, I think, the most interesting part of the whole service. This is a matzah tash. Matzah means unleavened bread. And the reason we have unleavened bread, not only because it's the bread of affliction, but our rabbis tell us that leaven in the scriptures, in the Tanakh, speaks of sin. And as we are remembering what God has done for us, we want to say what we want to separate ourselves from sin. So we have unleavened bread. And the matzah tash, tash means cover. So it's an unleavened bread cover. But it's a very special cover. It has one compartment with a matzah. It has a second compartment with a matzah. And a third compartment with a matzah. And you ask our rabbis, Rabbi, what is the significance of the three compartment matzah tash? And the usual explanation is that the top matzah speaks of the Kohen Gadol. He was the high priest who led us in our worship when the temple was standing. The second matzah would be the tribe of Levi, because in the Tanakh, Levi is set aside as servants to help the Kohen Gadol in the service of God. And the final matzah is Am Haaretz, the people of the land. So you have high priest, Levi, and the people of the land. And our rabbis say, the reason for the Tosh is that even though we have the Gadol, the Levi, and Am Haaretz, we have the unity of the people of Israel. Now, I'm stepping away from the table for just a moment. Now, we're going to talk about what do you think God is trying to tell us in this three-compartment matzatash? What does it remind you of? The Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But then let's go back to the table. Then my father, my uncle, would reach into the middle compartment of the matzah and he pulls out the middle matzah and he breaks it and then he wraps the matzah in a napkin and he would leave the table 
And my uncle would wander throughout his whole house. And then when he came back, he no longer had that matzo with him. Now that is called the afikomen. It's a Greek word, but it means that which comes later. So remember the afikomen. And then you ask our rabbis, <laughs> not part of the dinner, you know, if we have Kohen Gadol and we have Levi and we have Am Haaretz, why do we take Levi out and break him? And our rabbis would look at us and they would say, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) There is no explanation for why the middle matzah is broken. Again, let's let's move forward to today. When we take out the middle matzah, we take out the matzah, which represents the sun. He left where he was, and he came to be seen. Now, remember the middle matzah. We'll return here later. And then the second cup is poured. And the second cup is called the cup of the plagues, because we're going to go through our history. And at this point in time, the youngest son at the table, which was me, (laughs) would stand up and ask four questions. In Exodus chapter 12, verses 25-26, it says, When your son shall ask you, why do you do these things? You shall tell him it's because of what God did for me when he brought me out of bondage in Egypt. So the youngest son would stand up. Why is this night different from all other nights? On all other night we may eat either leavened or unleavened bread. On this night, only unleavened bread. On all other nights, we do not even dip once. But tonight, we dip twice. On all other nights, we may eat any kind of herb. But on this night, we only eat bitter herbs. On all other night, we may eat either sitting or reclining. But on this night, we all recline. And we would have pillows on our chair. And we would all be able to recline during the meal. And our rabbis say the reason that we do this When we were in bondage in Egypt, we were slaves, and we could not rest. But now that we are free, we can rest while we eat. Again, not talking about the Passover table, but our Lord. When he celebrated the Last Supper, it says that he, he and the disciples sat, actually the word is reclined, at the table. And when they reclining in a special way at those times, they would be on one elbow facing the table and their feet would be out. And when I first became a believer, I used to hear that John laid his head on Jesus' chest during the dinner, and I said, I couldn't figure it out. But then if he realized they were reclining, then he could lean back, put his head on Jesus' chest when he was asking and talking and asking his questions. 
Once the questions are asked, my uncle would begin to relate our history. Because we were slaves under Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Eternal, our God, brought us forth thence with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And you will notice this as because we were slaves. And every one of us at the Passover table are to consider that we were involved, and God, in what he accomplished there, he did for us, not just for our ancestors. And I'm going to move forward now from page 9 to page 19, because if we went through the whole Haggadah, your pastor would probably start glaring at me. (laughs) So we move forward into the Haggadah to page 19, where we come to the plagues. And in our family, when we would come to the plagues, we would take a knife in one hand, we would dip it in the cup when we said the Hebrew name of the plague, Dom, and we'd knock off a drop when he said the English name, Blood. Tzafardea, frogs. And we would do this for each of the ten plagues until we came to Machot Becharot, the death of the firstborn. And there would be ten drops taken out of the cup. And our rabbis tell us the reason that we do this, a full cup is a cup of joy. And we do rejoice because of what God accomplished. But by taking the drops out, we are saying we do not rejoice in what it costs God to bring us to himself. Now today you and I can identify with that. We rejoice when we think of the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. But we do not rejoice when we think of what it costs God to bring us to himself. We'll move forward a few more pages. Rabbi Gamliel says that whoever does not make mention of three things at the Passover feast has not done his duty, namely the sacrifice of the Passover, the unleavened bread, and the bitter herbs. Now, I cannot say this with total definiteness, but it mentions Rabbi Gamaliel. And if you remember, in Acts chapter 5, when the disciples were before the Sanhedrin and they were being accused, Rabbi Gamaliel stood up and said some things about the Messiah. So it may be the same Rabbi Gamaliel. The Paschal Lamb, which our ancestors ate during the existence of the temple, for what reason was it eaten? On the table, we have a lamb bone. And our people realize that if there had been no lamb, there would have been no redemption. And so we have the Paschal Lamb reminding us, the table, that the lamb was the reason for our redemption. But our family did not eat lamb. Most Orthodox Jews do not eat lamb. Because when the temple was destroyed, lamb being a sacrificial animal was no longer being offered. And therefore, we will not eat lamb. But we have the lamb bone to remind us of the sacrifice. 
But that's all that, that's all that is said about the lamb at the tiner. But I'm going to leave the table again because I want to talk to you about the lamb. And God is very specific in his instructions about the lamb. And I know being a good Bible church, the pastor Bob would have you have your Bibles with you. So if you do, would you, if you want to open up and read along, it would be Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Now the Lord spake to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month... Every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. So the first instruction is you take a lamb out on the tenth day of the month. Your lamb, it says, verse 5, shall be without blemish. It needs to be a perfect lamb. Why should it be perfect? Because it is going to be offered to God. As a sacrifice. So it's to be without blemish, a male of the first year. And I'm not a shepherd, but I have been told that a male of the first year is in the prime of life, the very best time. So, and then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight, keep it until the 14th day of the same month. So they take the lamb out on the 10th, You keep it until the afternoon of the 14th. Why? For three and a half days. Why would you take a lamb and keep it? Because if it is to be without blemish, a sacrifice to God, how are you going to know if it is perfect? How are you going to know if it is without blemish if you don't observe it? If you don't watch it? To be sure that it is qualified to be a sacrifice to God. So for three and a half days, they would watch their lamb. They would observe it to be sure. And then in the the twilight of the 14th day, they would take that lamb and they would kill it. And that's a very harsh word in the Hebrew. They would take its life from it and they would shed its blood. But that's not the last instruction. The blood is shed The lamb is dead. But then God says, um, I need to find the verse. I keep losing. Verse 7, they shall take some of the blood, put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house. They would catch the blood in a bowl. They would take some hyssop. They would dip the hyssop in the blood, put it on the lintel. Dip the hyssop in the blood, put it on the two doorposts doorposts. Beautiful picture. Do you see that? Dip it in the blood, put it on the lintel, dip it in the blood, put it on the doorposts. And then they would sit behind that door and they would eat their dinner. And why would God tell them to do this? Verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night. 
and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. And this blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And that night, when God and the death angel went through the land of Egypt, there was only one thing that he looked for that was the difference between life and death. And when he saw the blood, he said, I will pass over you. And blood of the lamb that was sacrificed was the only difference between life and death. Move forward with me now about 1,400 years. John the Baptist, John chapter 1 in, the, in our Bible, saw Jesus, saw Yeshua coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. A few more verses. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What would a Jew sitting there, standing there, hearing John the Baptist, pointing to him and saying, the lamb, think? Their mind would go, the Passover lamb. And John is saying, behold, observe, watch him. See if he is going to be qualified to be the lamb and the sacrifice. So for three and a half years, three and a half days, they observed him. And they watched him. And at the end of that time, they took him to be judged. He was 33 in prime of life. He was without sin because they could find no sin in him. And yet they took him and they nailed him to the cross. Now, he could have stopped that at any time because of who he is. But he did not. Because of what he came to do. He came to be the lamb, the sacrifice. And his blood was shed. Now, just because that blood was shed, does that mean that everyone is saved? (laughs) That the salvation is for everyone? And the Exodus tells us that wasn't the end of it. Because that blood had to be taken and personally applied to the door. And then where the blood was, was where there was life. Now, the day that I received Jesus Christ into my life as my Savior, that day the blood was applied to me by God. And now when God looks down from heaven, he doesn't see Jack Meadows' sinner. He sees Jack Meadows clothed in the righteousness of Christ and being a child of his. Now, that's true for every one of us here that know Jesus as our Savior. As many have received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God, as many as believe in his name. But if you're here this morning and you have never personally believed and received, believed in, and receive Jesus Christ into your life as your Savior, then the whole purpose of the message this morning for you is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ 
receive him as your Savior and enter into the eternal life that God offers. Back to the table. The unleavened bread, which we now eat, what does it mean? And the rabbis here talk about it's the bread of affliction. As we left, our dough did not have time to rise. The bitter herb, which we eat, what does it mean? It is eaten because the Egyptians embittered the lives of our ancestors in Egypt. In every generation, each individual is bound to regard himself as if he had gone personally forth from Egypt, as it is said, and you shall relate to your son on that day, saying, This is on account of what the Eternal did for me when I went forth from Egypt. We move still further. The cup is elevated. You, O Eternal, our God and God of our ancestors, may you bring us to enjoy in peace other solemn feasts and sacred seasons which approach us, that we may rejoice in the building of your city, exult in your holy service, that we may there eat of the sacrifices and of the holy paschal offerings. Baruch Hagofen, and the second cup is taken. Then we would wash our hands again because we're coming again to a special part of the service. And my uncle would take this piece of the middle matzah which is left and he would break it and he would pass it around the table for every one of us to eat. Before we do that, Turn with me to Luke chapter 22. Obviously, we're not at the table again. But Luke chapter 22. Verse 14. When the hour had come, he, Jesus, sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup, and I believe this would be the first cup. And he said, uh, excuse me. and gave thanks and said, Take this, divide it among yourselves. I will not drink of the fruit until the kingdom of God comes. And then it tells us, He took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And I believe it's right here in the Passover Seder that our Lord explained the bread. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Sinless, unleavened. And he would break it, 
And Baruch HaTad Anayol Ahinu Lamelech Halom HaMotzi Lechem Min Ha'oretz. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And they would take of the bread. And I believe it is right there that our Lord instituted the bread that we remember in communion at the Lord's table. Now, there would be other matzahs on the table. We'll go back to the table. And we would take, everybody would take some of the other matzah, break off a couple of pieces. And then my uncle would say, this is the horseradish. It's grain. My aunt would make her own horseradish the day before the Passover. And I've never had horseradish like my aunt's horseradish. Anyway, my uncle would say, take a teaspoon of that horseradish and put it on the piece of matzah. And then we would pray. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who commanded us to eat bitter herbs. And we would eat that. Do you know what happens when you eat good horseradish, especially my aunt's horseradish, and it comes in contact with your sinuses? (laughs) Immediately, tears would begin to flow from our eyes, and we would be weeping because of the bitterness of the bondage in Egypt. But then we take another piece of matzah, And we put just a little bit of the horseradish on it. And this is charoseth. Charoseth is a mixture of apples and nuts and some spices mixed with a little bit of wine. It looks a little bit like brick mortar, but it's very sweet. And we'd have that matzah with just a little bit of horseradish on it. And we take a big spoon of the charoseth and we put it on top. And then we would eat it. And our rabbis will tell us how sweet is redemption after the bitterness of bondage. Amen? Amen. Also on the table, we have a brown egg or boiled egg. And it is to remind us of our other sacrifices. Whenever we would come to the temple for a a festival sacrifice, we could always make a personal sacrifice to God to thank him for who he is and what he has done. So that roasted egg reminds us of that. And then the mishpucha would eat dinner. And while they're eating dinner, I would like to take just a few moments to tell you about the ministry of Chosen People Ministries. Now, you should have one of these brochures in your... Unless the, the pastor says, if you dropped it, you need to pick it up. But if you would have... Open up your brochure, please. This brochure talks about our ministry. We began... Joseph Leopold Cohen, a rabbi from Europe, received the Lord in 1894... And he wanted then to begin to tell his people, our mishpucha, about Jesus, about Yeshua. And out of that was born the American Board of Missions to the Jews, which was the name of the ministry before it would recently been changed in the Chosen People Ministries. 
we do on the street evangelism. By the way, if anyone would like to be receive some training in on the street evangelism, Alan, where are you? Raise. Alan will be back at the table, Alan Abrahamson. He and his wife and the ministry will be having some training classes in Portland and we give you the opportunity to go out on the street and share with the Jewish people or anyone's on the street. And you can, he'll be at the table in the back after the service is over. So we do on-the-street evangelism, talking to people. Who do you think Jesus is? When people show an interest, we will get into one-on-one Bible studies with them to reveal what the Bible says about Jesus, to try to introduce people to Jesus. And once people come to know Yeshua, then we have them in Bible study to develop them in their faith and their foundation. And then we encourage them to find a good church like this where they could go and worship and be taught. So that's basic ministry of the ministry. But we have two special focuses going right at this time. We have what's called Isaiah 53 campaigns in which we are, there's brochures, there's some things on the table in the back which talk about Isaiah 53. Who do you think Isaiah 53 is talking about? That we're trying to reach out and introduce people to the Lord through Isaiah 53. And that we have those throughout the country. There will be one in Israel, I believe, this summer, an Isaiah 53 campaign. We would encourage you to be praying for that. A second focus, and on the table, and you will see, is our brochures for the Charles Feinberg Center. There was an old, empty funeral home in the Orthodox section of Brooklyn. Uh, The ministry bought it. We've been refurbishing it, setting it up, because it is going to be a Messianic Jewish center. And on the bottom floor, there will be a Russian uh, Messianic congregation that will be meeting, and also for other times for... uh, to be used as a meeting place to share Jesus in the area. And the second floor will be the Charles Feinberg Center for Messianic Studies. This is a master's degree program related to Talbot Seminary out here, so we could call it Talbot East, in which we were training people, and then they will go to Talbot for some courses in training them in Jewish evangelism and Jewish history. So we'll be praying. It'll be open. The school will be opening and using the uh, facilities in September. So we really pray for the Charles Feinberg Center that the Lord would be using this in Brooklyn. There will be a Shalom Brooklyn campaign going on this summer. If you'd like to do something like that, talk to Alan also or to me. uh, And we give you the information to get related to that. Needless to say, the natives are restless. (laughs) It's a very orthodox section of Brooklyn where the center is. So there will be, uh, Alan and my wife and I will be back by that table after the service is over. Now, open your brochure all of the way, and you will notice there's an information sheet uh, request. If you would like to receive our newsletter or get more information about the ministry and, or uh, fill this out, There will be an offering that will be taken after the service is over. And if you would like to make an offering 
to, Jesus, to, to the ministry. Uh, we will send you a tax-deductible receipt if we have the amount on here or on your check. But a couple of things I would like to say about the offering. We do not want the offering to come from your tithes and offerings to the church. Your first responsibility is to your pastor, to your church, where you are being taught and where you are growing. So we do not offer from that. But if the Lord is laying on your heart to make a special offering for the ministry of Chosen People Ministries, then this is what we would like. You can make a check out to Chosen People Ministries, or we take cash. (laughs) But also, a second thing about the offering, if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, we're not asking you to give. It is the privilege of God's people to support God's ministry. And if you don't know him, you're not with us. And what our information, our request for you would be to receive. Receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, now we go back to the table. Dinner is over. And the first thing my uncle would do would look at all of us, that young people at the table, and he would say, go find it. And we would spread out through the house, and we would be looking, <laughs> looking. <laughs> for the afikoman. And whoever found the afikoman would bring it back to the table, and they would give it to my uncle. And my uncle would give the finder a guilt gift. You know guilt? Cash. He would give us a cash gift, whoever found the afikoman. <laughs> Another way to keep young people awake during the dinner. So, but he receives the afikoman. He would unwrap it. He would hold it up for everyone to see. And then he would break off a piece. This... P- Afikoman replaces the last bite of lamb that would have been eaten at the dinner, which would be the strength for the journey. Again, go beyond the table. I want us to think about this. Where did the Afikoman come from? The middle matzah? No leaven? Left where he was? came down to be seen. You look at the matzah. Matzahs are made with stripes. By his stripes we are healed. You look within the stripes and you see pierce marks, pierced for our iniquities. Broken, wrapped, buried, brought up again, and held up for everyone to see. Do you see the picture? Every year when my mishpucha are having a Passover Seder, they are remembering the death and the burial and the resurrection of Yeshua, of Jesus. And they don't know it. And they need to know it. Then the third cup is poured. The third cup is called the cup of redemption. 
as we read through the prayers and that is made before the redemption, we thank God for the redemption in the past. You have brought us forth from the land of Egypt and redeemed us from the house of bondage. And we would move forward. May he who is most merciful send us Elijah, the prophet of blessed memory, to bring us the good tidings of salvation and consolation. May he who is most merciful bless. And at this point in the dinner, the youngest son, which was me, would leave the table, go out, open up the door, and look outside, and I would come back shaking my head. No. Because our rabbis tell us that, that, excuse me, my mind just went, that Elijah is going to come on the Passover and introduce us to the Messiah. And on the table, we have a kot Eliyahu, a cup for Elijah. Many homes will have a place setting waiting for Elijah. So if he came to our house, he could come in and join us for the feast. But they're looking for Elijah to come. And they do not realize Messiah has already come. May he who is most merciful make us worthy to behold the day of the Messiah and eternal life in the future state. And during this cup of redemption, we not only remember the redemption out of Egypt, there is the prayer that he will, will behold the day of the Messiah and eternal life in the future state, and that we'll be able to be with him. Turn with me again to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Remember verse 19, which says, He, Jesus, took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them. Verse 20. Likewise, he, Jesus, also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. This do in remembrance of me. And I believe it is right here, at the cup of redemption, that Jesus gave the meaning. He explained the cup of redemption and said, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is given for you. You'll find in 1 Corinthians 11 also, where it talks about the cup after supper. And this is the cup for communion that we do in remembrance of me, of him. And then the third cup is drunk. And the fourth cup is filled. The fourth cup is called the cup of praise. Kot Halel. Did you know that you all spoke Hebrew before you even got here this morning? <laughs> Halel, to praise. Hallelu, you plural praise. Hallelujah, you plural praise. Jehovah, praise God. And every time you say hallelujah, you're speaking Hebrew. And you're better ready for heaven than you ever thought you were. (laughs) 
Okay, the cup of praise. In our family, we would read Psalms 113, 118. We would read through the Haggadah. It'd be a time of praising and thanking God for the service and that he was here with us and that we learned from him and for our redemption. In the Gospels, remember, it says that Jesus and the disciples sang some hymns before they went out to the garden. And I believe it was the cup of praise. And we move forward a number of pages in the Haggadah. We would come to Lashona Haboa Berushalayim. Next year, may we be in Jerusalem, looking forward and praying that the Passover next year, we will be with the Messiah in Jerusalem. And the fourth cup is drunk. And with that, the Passover dinner, Seder, comes to an end. I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to share this.